bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. God, let us be generation that sees. Amazing grace. 
it to me It's where my hopes goes It's where my shield and portion be As long as life endures Good morning, everybody. Thank you to our friends from Flint Hill Baptist Church being here this morning. Got to meet some new folks. Thank you all very much. And thank you to our brother Brian for leading us in those songs this morning. Always enjoy that. It's good to be here. Back from a new year, right? Celebrating New Year's. You are the man, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Well, good to, good to see everybody this morning. Last week, if you were here with us or you perhaps watched online, we dispelled the myth that you must hit a new year and a new you. If you were here last week, remember that. That's kind of the, the buzzword statement that's gone around, new year, new me. But we said this, if you are not in Christ, what a wonderful time for a new year, right? It says that anyone that is in Christ, he is a new creation. So if you've already met Jesus, take heart, my friend. There is no need for a new you. Now, if that motivates you and challenges you, we said that that is all fine. But last week, if you were here, we talked about attitude and saying that we wanted a, a New Year's resolution, if you will, as a body, as a family, that we worked on our attitude, that we had the same attitude that is found in Christ Jesus. Remember, we looked, Philippians 2, didn't consider himself equal with God, that humbled himself to death, even death on a cross, right, all of that. And we looked at the two greatest commandments. Everybody remember those, right? Number one, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, your soul, your mind. In other words, every fiber of your being, love God. That is the most important thing. Love God above everything else. Worship Him. And then the second, he says, is like it. Love your neighbor as who? As yourself. Right? 
We said this is beautiful, right? To love God and to love people. And we said that if if that would be the resolution of just the people gathered in this crowd, that when people came through these gates, that we put their interest above our own. Not just in these gates, but more importantly, when we leave, see, there's a lot of folks that go to a church gathering. By the way, I want to remind you of this. No one out here, everybody look this way. Nobody out here, I don't care if you attend a Sunday gathering every week, I just want to throw this out, nobody goes to church. You are the church. Church is not an event. All right. It is a family. It is the body of Christ. And so you may go to a church gathering, but make no mistake. We are the church. Church is not brick and mortar. It is flesh and bone. It is not somewhere we go. It is something we are. And so the difference is when we leave a gathering to leave with the attitude of Christ, putting others needs in front of our own. We use the example if we had people lined up and everybody took care of the other's interest of their own. And then the last person it goes and it comes around. No, Nobody's missing out, right? You don't have to have the attitude, I got to get mine or I'm going to look out for me. In fact, we said it, the I am second mentality. I've got my bracelet on. Thanks to the Postal Service, you did not have your bracelets last week, but they will be in line today. You can grab those. Even if you don't wear it, if you want to put it somewhere just to remind yourself, put God and others first, us second, love God, love people. Everybody still in with me on that today? All right, that's where we were at last week. I'm so grateful that you're here. Back in the book of Matthew this week, uh, as we had left off, Jesus had just healed a paralytic. You remember the story? It's an amazing one. It goes right from that story into where we're at today. So quick recap of that. I want to encourage you from that story too. If you remember, there were four people that had this paralytic and they said there is no other answer, no other way but to get him to Jesus. You remember that story, right? Went to this crazy expense and and hassle and trouble, tearing a roof apart, lowering a man down, said, at all costs, we've got to get him to Jesus. Here's where I want to encourage you until we go to this story today. Surround yourself with those kind of friends, right? The people that at all costs say, I'm going to carry this person to Jesus in the way I live and the way I work doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, but we know the perfect one, right? I'm going to carry them to Jesus, right? Secondly, surround, you know, I said surround yourself, but secondly, be that kind of friend, right? For your friends and family, carry people to Jesus. Everybody with me on that? Let's get into today's scripture, Matthew chapter 9, and starting uh, at verse 9, just a couple of verses here. Uh, Reminder, Matthew, the hated tax collector, right? He's the author of this gospel, one of Jesus' uh, trusted disciples. We see the calling of Matthew in today's scripture, and I believe there's a word there for us today. So Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9, it says, as Jesus passed from there, there being where he had just healed the paralytic, right? As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for uh, just this day. We thank you for the people that are gathered around. And there is zero doubt in my mind that you are issuing the same call to every person that is alive and well and breathing in this parking lot today. Those that are listening online. Father, the call is the same. Follow me. Father, we have to answer that question. Uh, No one can do it for us. And so we pray that, Holy Spirit, you speak to those who've never answered that, that today would be the day that they say yes, that they rise and they follow you. Those that have, Father, that we would just walk closer with you. And again, reminder from last week that we would have the attitude of Jesus to put others and you, most importantly, first and then ourselves second. And so, Jesus, we need you. We thank you. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus had just healed a paralytic. I want to just paint that scene for a second. I want you to picture is this house and they're gathered and it says that there were so many people pressing in, there was no room. So what did these people do? They got up on the roof, they tear a hole, they lower a paralytic that had not walked, maybe ever in a very long time at least. And Jesus is looking at the man and says, as Pharisees continue on the side, by what authority do you teach? They weren't worried about what Jesus was teaching or what he was saying in a positive light. They were looking to trap him. What authority do you teach? And Jesus, as if he ignores the question, just looks at the man and he looks back at the Pharisees. and He said, what's easier to tell this man to get up and walk or your sins are forgiven? Right. You remember the story? He says, your sins are forgiven. Now get up and walk. The man picks up his mat moves his feet for the first time and shuffles past everybody. Can I just go on and out on a limb here and say that that was probably a pretty chaotic moment, right? As the crowds are pressing in and they've witnessed a very miracle in the flesh, God in the flesh has spoken to somebody and by the way, offered redemption, your sins are forgiven, but said, pick up your mat and leave. In other words, that's by what authority I teach. I am the authority. That's how I do things, right? And so as we can imagine, it is this crazy moment as Jesus is leaving this and it heads from that scene into today's story. And so no doubt as those crowds pressed in, I would say this, some were there legit. They were following Jesus and I don't know what I can do with my life other than I know Jesus is the answer. I'm really following him. I'm staking everything I got on this person that is called Jesus. Let's be honest. Some were there for the show. Man, he just picked, he just told a guy to pick up his mat and go. I'm going to go to the next town and just see what he does next, right? There's all kind of rumors of other stuff that he's done. So I'm just going to follow for the show. And so that was a possibility, right? And then you've got some skeptics, just like there are today. Some that, is that really true? Is that really the way to heaven? Is that really everything that Jesus is the answer? Like he's saying, is that really everything that it's about? And then also, as we see the Pharisees, those that considered themselves religious, those that considered themselves the top of the food chain and spiritual matters, the, you know, everything the people would do and all over them. But can I tell you more than uh, most of them, I won't say all, most of them were wolves in sheep clothing, right? 
They were in it for themselves, in it for the power, in it for all the oohs and ahs and all of those things. And we see that those people that were there today, and I want to tell you today that there are the same people in this crowd today. Those that are following Jesus legit. Man, I, I believe Jesus is everything. There's some wanting to see the show. Hey, like what's happening next? There's some that are skeptical of saying, is Jesus really everything? And then there's the wolves in sheep clothing that so religious and feel like you got everything figured out. I want to go and take the pressure off. You don't. We need Jesus, right? That's what the whole idea of the, the birth, we talked about it on Christmas morning, that the manger was there for the cross. It was always the plan. From the foundation of the world, it says the lamb was slain for you and I, right? This was no plan B. There was no panicked meeting in heaven. When we sin in Eden, it was always the plan. God's saying, much like he did in the Exodus, where he says, I'm going to go down and save my people. Jesus says the same thing. I'm going down and I'm offering redemption's price. I'm laying my life down to get back to Eden, to get the relationship back right. Everything, their choices, everything, sin, everything the enemy has stolen, I'm buying back with my very life. Don't leave this place and tell me, I don't know what love feels like. You know somebody that laid down their life for you. Scripture says that no greater love is there than when someone lays down his life for his friend. And so we see all this crowd. Jesus is leaving and passes by a tax collector booth. I shared this morning the scene from The Chosen. If you've never watched The Chosen, you've heard me talk about it a lot. But it's a beautiful scene. And so this tax collector, our author, our author of the story, Matthew, this is his story, also known as Levi. You may have heard him called that. And I've told you into this study all along the way that the tax collector is a hated person. It was one of the most hated person in that day. I want to read this to you. This is why. It says they were reviled by the Jews of Jesus' day because of their perceived greed and collaboration with the Roman occupiers. I want to stop there. You know the story, right? You know that Rome is in charge and the Jewish people are waiting on this military king to come, this Messiah to come with sword and shield and set everything right. But they didn't know what really was on the way was a suffering servant that armed himself with a basin and towel to wash feet. That's what Jesus is. He flips every perceived notion that we have at church, every perceived notion as religious people. He flips it upside down, and he would this day as well. I can imagine as that scene in The Chosen is there, the disciples walking with him, and they're on this spiritual hive like, dude, he just told a guy that couldn't walk, pick up your mat and go, and guess what the guy did? He did it. And then he told him his sins are forgiven. They got to be just still processing everything that happened. And they walk by this hated tax collector's booth and everything is about to change in a moment. And so we see this, that they were in collaboration with the Roman occupiers. It says this, tax collectors amass personal wealth, large personal wealth by demanding tax payment in excess of what Rome was already doing in excess, levied by keeping the difference. So here's the story. The tax collector would do this, an IRS agent, if you want to uh, put something in your mind, working for this Roman government, but what they would do, if you owed 40% to the Roman government, they would say you owed 50%, keep the 10%, and all the while you're seeing them live in this lavish lifestyle when most Jews were living in poverty. So you can see why they're hated, right? Not to mention it's a fellow countryman. 
Someone that should know better. Someone that should be in this chosen tribe of Israel, but yet they are taking advantage of their people and saying, they're already taxing the Jews, but I'm going to take a little more and look out for me, right? And very much, I'm first attitude, right? And so Rome was already taxing them. They add the percentages on top. And so you definitely see why they were a hated people. But there was Jesus. Jesus passes by that day where Matthew was. And I want you to think of this. There was no cruel words, no condemnation, nothing like, man, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you a tax collector? I mean, these are, your, these are your own people. These are your countrymen, and you're taking advantage of them. No judgment. No, there was a call. And the call is the call that is here today. He says two words, but it was two words that were going to change Matthew's life, not just in that moment for eternity, and it could yours as well. He says these two words, follow me. I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Has God ever called me to that? And if he has, have I answered or have I just been ignoring it and going my own way? Am I going to hope that everything sorts itself itself out at the end of my life? Or am I going to listen to the call of Jesus? And I pray that if you've been out here long enough, the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. You know what he's saying is right. Follow me. I am the way, not just a way, but I am the way. Follow me. Guys, I don't, I don't want you to paint this as anything different than what it is. I want you to look this way. You could be at every single solitary church service ever known to man. You could leave here and go to 10 other church services and feel all warm and fuzzy about yourself, but it doesn't mean that you're following Jesus. In fact, it may mean that you're following religion. It may mean that you're following a God of your own creation of some, I got to do this to make God happy. Let me take the pressure off. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any more than laying down his life for you. It's not possible. He loves you so much that he died for you. And so this same call is here today. He says, follow me. And I want to tell you this, the power that is in this call is unmatched. And here's what I mean by that. I was in the great state of Mississippi uh, yesterday. And I'll tell you this, thank God for Mississippi because a lot of times Alabama's close to last on everything, but Mississippi seems to always bail us out. If you're from Mississippi, Bo, uh, around Mississippi, I'm sorry. I apologize, but thank you. But I want to tell you this. I was there and I passed by this sign, this billboard, and uh, I I, I look and it says, I, I didn't buy a ticket. But it says $700 million, Mississippi Lottery. Can I tell you this? This is how much I mean this with all sincerity. That if you've answered yes to the call, follow me. It's better news than if you receive the call. Man, hey, every one of your numbers are right. You are now a millionaire, $700 million. And then the government's going to call and say, we're going to need about 400 of that. But regardless, say, This is better news. Follow me. If you've answered yes, it's better than all the riches in the world. I'm telling you, this is the truth. This is the gospel truth that is the best and most impactful thing that can not only be for your future. We all know the eternity thing, but I'm here to tell you for the present because this life is hard. I don't know how you get through it without Jesus. I really don't. 
I've tried. I've tried even with him living inside of me, his spirit inside of me. I try to do things on my own sometimes and I mess it up every stinking time. So I can't imagine not having the power of God, the presence of God and trying to live through this difficult life. Jesus' words are the same today. Simple but beautiful. Follow me. And what is even equally as beautiful is Matthew's response. I, I can't imagine that moment. A hated tax collector sitting there. The chosen paints it where you've got the other disciples around. And, and Peter, as Peter often does, and I think this is probably pretty accurate of what happened. Peter asked Jesus in that scene, do you know who you're talking to? You know who you're telling to follow you? This guy, this guy steals from us. This guy, he, he, he's a crook. He's a thief. We hate him, man. And you want him to follow you? And, and Jesus looks to Peter in that scene and he says, you didn't think that when I called you the fisherman, right? And Jesus issues, this is not scripture. This is from that, that scene. But I think it's, it's point on with the message of Jesus. Jesus tells Peter, get used to different. Get used to different. I'm flipping things on its head. This is not status quo. This is not follow the law to the T and, and you, you feel good about yourself. I came to fulfill the law that you couldn't is what Jesus is teaching them. And so he says this, follow me. And it says this about Matthew. And he rose and followed him. Boy, isn't that a beautiful response. Man, if, if there's a harder soul out here today that Jesus is saying, follow me. If there's somebody watching online that says, man, Jesus is saying, follow me. What if you just got up and followed him? Just take him at his word. Just trust him and say, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to give my life to Christ because he gave his life for me. That we would have the same response. Because I know, I know there's people out there who have heard that in your soul, but you've yet to answer. Or you've thought, maybe there's another way. I want to tell you, this is the only life-changing way. This is the only internal, impactful way to respond. I want to look at verses 10 through 11. It says this, after the fact, he follows and Matthew follows. And then Jesus, it says this, and Jesus reclined at a table in the house. So they're, they're gone. It's dinner time. And it says, behold, many tax collectors, not just Matthew, many. I want you to picture the freedom of that. A hated group that never got to hang out with anybody, that people avoided, that people would spit at, that people would cuss behind their back and say, I hate that guy. Many of them gathered together with this newfound leader, this newfound person that was offering truth that says, follow me. And they're gathering together and it's Jesus. By the way, let's not paint Jesus as somebody that doesn't know who he's hanging with. He spoke all these people into existence. He's sitting around reclining at the table with nothing but the people that outside looking in, tax collectors and sinners. Jesus in the middle of them, hanging out with them, the most hated people of the day. And this is who Jesus comes with. By the way, don't you think the God that created everybody, if he wanted to, could have hung out with the Pharisees? Couldn't he have been about the status quo and said, you're right, they just need to follow the law. They just need to be about their sacrifices and their tithes and offerings. And if they just say the right prayers, if they just do all these things and everything will be fine. Jesus says, you missed it. You've missed everything. Follow me. Do what I'm doing. 
Live how I'm living. You see who I'm hanging out with? The tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, the lepers, those that society has forgotten about. That's what I'm about. He reclined at dinner with them. Can I give you a side note? So for the one out here says, man, I'm just, I'm dirty. I'm filthy. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what kind of crowd I've run with. You don't know what I've done with my life. You don't know all these things. You don't know what I did last night. Good news is I don't have to. And Jesus, if he was here today, would recline at a table with you. Don't get feeling so high and mighty. Say, my sin is so different that he wouldn't accept me. These people were hated. So much that the religious leaders come up and says, why, why, did, why does he hang with those people? He's supposed to be some kind of teacher or prophet. And he hangs with the tax collectors and the sinners, the most hated people of the day. How do I know he would sit with you? Jesus responds, those who are well have no need of a physician, but only those that are sick. If you say this morning, man, I'm sick with sin. I've got a sin sickness. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. Good news, he came for you. He offers healing. He offers redemption. And a major side note here, I want to say this. The Pharisees, most of them weren't really righteous, by the way. Jesus uses this. I didn't come for the righteous. It almost is a sense of I didn't come for the self-righteous, the ones that feel like they already got it figured out, the ones that feel like they've already made it. I mean, what can Jesus add? You've already arrived, right? You've already set the statue there. You've already said, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm really holy. I'm really righteous. Don't tell me there's not Pharisees in the parking lot today. Some of you call me pastor, but if you'd have been around me probably 15 years ago, you'd have said, that's you. You're a Pharisee. I lived in that way. I thought I had all the rules checked off. I thought I was doing all this stuff and put rules on people that I couldn't do myself. In fact, you want to know, say, Keith, whatever got you to Birmingham? I grew up in McCall, Alabama. I never planned on being in or around Birmingham. I never planned on this. This is God dreamed right here. But one of the reasons that it got me here, one of the things God used, I was encouraged to go back and read the Gospels. And when I did, we have this calling to be like Jesus, right? And I put myself in the mindset, it's like, Jesus, show me me in Scripture. Where am I at? And every time I'd come to a Pharisee passage, that's me. That's me. I would have been one of the ones that Jesus had. He encountered me those many years ago, and he did turn over some tables in my life. But if I would have lived back then, I would have been one of the ones that he came in, overturned the tables, and ran off with a whip. But I'm so glad for grace and mercy and forgiveness because I'm not walking in religion anymore. In fact, I despise it. I'm walking in relationship. But there are some here that may be in that. They weren't really righteous. They weren't well, in fact. Jesus' example of, I didn't come for the, the well, but the sick. They were sick too. They just didn't know it. Possibly the sickest of all. And maybe some are here today. Maybe you're not in robes. Maybe you're not in tassels or bells and walking around with a scroll in your hand but uber-religious and think you're better than everybody else, just putting on a show. They are equally, if not more sick, than the tax collector, prostitute, addict, murderer, or sinner. God despises the religious. He really does. Those that have no idea about relationship, but just feel like this checklist and all this stuff. You know how I know? Every time... Every time Jesus encounters a tax collector or sinner, 
He encounters them with grace and mercy and love and says, by all means, stop what you're doing. There's a better way. But he lets love enter the story. But can you look when he encounters a religious leader that feels like they got it all figured out, that has the law memorized backwards and forward and got all the pomp and circumstance of the bells and whistles and all this stuff? He overturns table and he runs them out of the synagogue with a whip. That's what Jesus feels about that because they put burdens on people that they can't even do themselves. And he's like, it's, you're missing that. I came to free you of this and bring you into relationship. And you say, well, it sounds like you're talking about like I shouldn't read my Bible. I shouldn't pray. I shouldn't. No, you should, but you shouldn't do it to earn favor. You do it because you've been encountered with a love so good that's brought you into relationship that you want to know him more, that you want to serve him. That's why we serve. That's why we would leave this place and say, I'm going to put others before myself. I, don't, I want to free you of this burden. If you're going to leave out of here and say, I'm going to put others before myself just to make God happier and make him love me more, don't do it. It's not a good reason. But if you've been encountered by love, if you've been encountered by grace and mercy and compassion, you say, I want other people to know about that, so I'm going to put them first. That may mean that if you're standing in that line and you're hungry as all get out, but you see somebody coming up and you can tell they ain't had a plate in two days, simply something like this. Go ahead. That's putting somebody else first and saying, because of Jesus, because of what he's done for me, that's why I do something like that. That counts. And one day it says that you will stand before a holy God and he will give you this reward, this tangible reward. I don't know what it'll look like. But it'll be beautiful. It'll be amazing. It'll be holy. And you know what Scripture says? That when we get that, we get the opportunity to do what? Lay it back at His feet and say, it was all for you. That's why I did it. For your glory, for your honor, not for me. In fact, it says the stuff that we do for other ulterior motives will be as if put into the fire like hay and burned up. It, it don't count. Just save yourself the trouble. If that's why you're going to do it, just don't do it. It's a difficult life to live, but it's a beautiful one. So none of us are righteous. That's the problem. You see, some out here, you say, well, your sin's packaged a little bit neater. Let me tell you, I love to give gifts, but I want to tell you this. I, I, can, I can do a little work on cars. I can do a little manual labor. I can do a little carpentry and all that stuff. Cannot wrap a present to save my life. It looks like a three-year-old has done it. I don't get it. I don't understand how you do it. But some of you think, well, you know, my package is a little neater. It's got the pretty bow and Jamie's got all these like, God, all these labels and all these things that she does on present and mine. Like I, I used to wrap my presents in the funny papers, like back when we used to get those, right? The comic strip. I thought it was cool. It still was ugly, but it was cool, right? And you say, well, I, I got all my stuff together. No, you don't. It might be in a neater box, but you still aren't righteous. You still aren't well. You're still sick. You still need a doctor. In fact, even more so, if you are counting on your righteousness, it's as filthy rags, Scripture says. But some sadly are convinced that they're A-OK, -okay, that they're good. They got everything figured out. Listen to what Paul, by the way, the Pharisee of Pharisees before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, said after his follow me moment. This is what he says in Romans 3. None is righteous, not one. 
No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So if you're out here this morning and say, man, I'm good. I, I do good. No, you don't. On your own strength, you don't. It's got ulterior motives. It's got pride. It's got all these other things built into it. And it's not for a good reason. Without Christ, if you're doing it in your own strength, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. So if you're out here this morning saying, man, I just want to try to be a good person. I want to try to live my life. And maybe when I die, it'll be enough. It won't. You could do all the good in the world. It's not enough. It's got to have the blood of Christ over your heart and over your life. Follow me. You've got to answer yes for any of this stuff to matter. So you're not good on your own. You need the Savior, not a Savior, the Savior. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way. A few more thoughts here. Jesus quotes Hosea 6.6. Here's what he says. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You say, well, that's kind of an odd place to put that. What, what does that even mean? Well, see, in Hosea's time and still in Jesus' earthly time and unfortunately in the church today, maybe somebody here today, Israel began to worship other gods or do other things, but while they were doing it, they continued to practice sacrificing. They continued to go through the whole system that was set up in the Old Testament of going to a priest and offering a sacrifice and maybe their tithes and offerings, but they were still worshiping another God. And you say, how foolish is that? How are we any different? Worshiping our own God or maybe even ourself of thinking that we're so high and mighty and we got everything figured out. And while, I'll, I'll, while I'm doing all this, when somebody like Brian gets up here and leads us, singing out the words but inside worshiping another God. Doesn't matter. It, it, it's a coin that doesn't, it shouldn't have both sides there. It's not one or the other. Like it can't be that way. And that's what was going on here, right? That, that people were worshiping and they were still worshiping other gods, practicing sacrifices. They followed the law outwardly, but inwardly they didn't know him. In other words, they would say, well, I, you know, it's like the rich young ruler. I've kept all the, I've done all those things. And Jesus knows that his God is really his possessions, all these things that he has, all this power and prestige. And he says, but there's one thing you lack. And I can picture the rich young ruler kind of perking up. Oh, there's one thing. I, I, can, I can handle one thing. I've done all these other things. And what did he tell him? Go sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. And by the way, it's not a call for everybody. That was his God. Go sell everything you got, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And what did it say? The man walked away dejected because that was his God, not Jesus. I can't tell you what your one thing is. I can't tell you what that is, but I can tell you this. These people were following the law outwardly, but inwardly they didn't know God. And Jesus encounters them and says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You know what that means? God desired their love. He desired them showing mercy and grace to others over their hypocrisy of worshiping other gods. Maybe a God they created of their own righteousness, their own worthiness, their own position of authority. But God desired a love for Him, mercy and grace to others, and to show that they had made their lives this outward expression Go back to last week. It's kind of like his two greatest commandments. He said, if you want to know what the whole law and the whole prophets were about, love me, love other people. That's everything. You want to know what this whole book, you say, man, I can't understand this book. Do you understand what it means to love God? 
with everything. That's what he says. Love God. Love me with everything you got, your heart, your soul, your mind. That's the greatest commandment. If you miss everything else, love him with everything you got. And he says the second is like it. Go love everybody else more than yourself. And he says this sums up all the law, all the prophets. That's the Bible they had back then. The Old Testament says, sums the whole thing up in one sentence. Love God, love people. That's what it's about. Love him with everything and others as yourself. And that's our 2024 resolution. God desired love for him, mercy and grace to others more than their show they were putting on. So lastly, a reminder, it says this, I came... Not to call the righteous, but sinners. Those who feel they're righteous, they won't seek him. It's like somebody that's well, not going to a doctor. You guys know a few weeks ago, I had an experience that go on. I had to go to the doctor, had to do the MRI and stuff. Let me tell you, if I was walking around well, there is no place I would have been at the hospital. I wouldn't have been going. I wouldn't have been laying in an MRI tube. Had none of that stuff. Why did I go? I was sick. I was seeking out answers. I was seeking out help. If you already feel you're well, then why are you going to seek out a doctor? You think you're already healed, but you're walking around lost as could be in your own religious self. Your own self that says, I can make it my own way. You have made yourself your own God. And when you stand before a holy God in that manner, he's going to say, get away. I don't know you. I don't know you. You say, well, that seems harsh. It's Jesus' words. Matthew 7, 21, he says it. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they didn't mean it. It's lip service. It's following the law outwardly, but inside you're dead as could be. You don't know him. You don't have a relationship. And I'm going to blow your mind here. It may be somebody that has a relationship with Jesus out here that maybe still smokes a little weed. It may be somebody out here that has a relationship with Jesus that drinks. It may be somebody out here that says stuff. You say, well, that's not appropriate. If they have a relationship with Jesus and all your religious stuff and you don't, guess who's entering heaven's gate and who's not? It's that person and you're on the outside looking in. I don't know you. You see, because that's the problem with the church. It ain't nothing about what you've done. It's about what a man on a hill on a cross did when he said, it is finished. I'm going to take him at his word. There ain't nothing more for me to do than except give my life to him. To answer the call, follow me, say, yeah, here I am. You got me, warts and all. And let me tell you, travel with me. I'll let you down. No doubts about it. I will let you down. But I want to tell you this, Jesus will not. And so this morning, I pray the call is still there. Follow me. We all need him, and the call is still there. So I'll ask you this in closing. How have you, or how will you answer? I pray that you choose him, because everything else leads to separation from him for eternity. Man, but I want to tell you, it makes this life so much better. It's that abundant life that he talks about in John 10.10. 10. That's why he said, I came to give you life, everlasting life, but not just life, but life abundant. I want that for you. I pray that for you this year. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, if there is somebody here that has not answered the call to follow you, maybe they've been putting it off and putting it off and know that's the truth, but just are scared. We had a young man a few weeks ago that said that. I'm just, I'm just nervous. It's a big deal. It's a big decision. But Father, we pray that if there's somebody here, they're dealing with that call to follow me for the first time. 
um, Jesus, that, that call to follow you, they answer yes. Father, if we already have, just renew that passion of that call that we would just um, ditch the religion and cling to relationship that we would have that attitude that we discussed last week and some this week, that we would put others' interest as more important than ourselves, that we wouldn't do it to earn favor, but we would do it honestly as beggars who have found bread and telling other beggars, I know where the food's at. That's why. Because we've been encountered with a love so good, we cannot possibly keep it to ourselves, that we are not first anymore, that God, you are first others with you, and then we are second. And so, Jesus, we need you in that. Again, somebody hadn't answered that call. Let that answer be yes today. Those that have, just speak to our hearts on where we need to go from here, Jesus, to walk with you, to ditch the religion and start walking in relationship. We love you, we need you, and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.